is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs. And we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Audra Rennie on our show today. Audra is the founder of Ear Access Inc. and the Executive Director of the nonprofit Worldwide Hearing. She has worked as an investment banker on Wall Street, dealing with private equity firms, and also with Doctors Without Borders in Chad, in Rwanda, and has served as a CFO on the One Acre Fund. In Kenya, she volunteered as a business consultant for a microfinance organization and worked as Director of Development at Canada World Youth. Ms. Renyi holds a bachelor's degree in economics from the Wharton School and international studies from the University of Pennsylvania and has completed an executive leadership program at Harvard Business School. She's won the Governor General of Canada's Innovation Award and was recognized as the Young International Leader of Quebec by Arista and was named a heroine of health at the WHO World Health Assembly. Most recently, she was named the Women Entrepreneur of the Year at the Innovators and Entrepreneur Foundation's Canny Awards. Welcome to the show, Audra. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. We're, we're so delighted to have you after your incredible win uh, at this year's first ever Canny Awards. Um, and I'm sure we're going to be diving into that a little bit throughout our conversation. Uh, but before we, we dive in, what's the one thing that you want our audience to be taking away from our chat today? I want people to remember that the pandemic is, is an event like any other event. It's very disruptive. It's tragic, of course, for, for many people. Um, and I'm particularly sensitive to that because we work in the disability sector where people are particularly vulnerable to the effects of COVID-19. But essentially, it's just a major event, which means like any other major world event, uh, it changes many things like demand, supply, prices, um, and lots of other things. In other words, while big event like that does a lot of negative things to people. It also creates a large amount of opportunities. So if you're an entrepreneur or want to become one, you look at these types of events, including the pandemic, as a, a way to re-examine everything you know about the market and about what's going on. Some things are changed, some things are gone, and many things have emerged that you haven't seen before. And, and among those things are some clear opportunities. Um, and it's really up to you to, to think about uh, how you can build on that. So I encourage people to try and find one of those niches. 
Um, and also to remember that you can do good and do well at the same time. Um, you can have a positive impact on people's lives while running a solid business. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. I love that saying, you can absolutely do good and do well. Um, so let's hear a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. It takes an entrepreneurial mind to really be looking for opportunities and and putting yourself out there during this time. Um, walk us through how you started, particularly with Ear Access, um, and, and why you thought that it needed to be launched when it did. Sure. Well, my journey in the, in the hearing loss sector started about 10 years ago. Um, when I found out that there are over 466 million people with disabling hearing loss around the world, um, actually 1 billion if you include mild hearing loss, 80% of all these people live in developing countries and fewer than 3% have access to hearing aids. Um, and I, I personally had grown up with a father who had developed hearing loss as a child um, due to an ear infection in Romania. And I had seen firsthand the, the, the impact of hearing loss, and my father's been wearing hearing aids for decades. But it's only about 10 years ago um, when I met uh, Claudia Busandri, who's a retired CEO who had se severe hearing loss since childhood, uh, that I found out about the scope of this problem. This is a huge issue. I always thought it was just something in my family and sort of an isolated thing that and I, I didn't realize how many people it affected and how many children it affected. So. Mm -hmm. Claudio um, was a founding chairman of the Worldwide Hearing Foundations, and I, I started there as the first uh, executive director and, and helped build up the foundation to help specifically kids with hearing loss um, in low-income countries. Um, and a few years later, um, I founded uh, Ear Access because I realized that um, essentially, at some point, grant funding is limited. There's sort of a ceiling um, as to how much uh, how much grant funding there is out there specifically for uh, this invisible disability. So I started really thinking about, well, how could we how could we help support, do more by being a sustainable business, but really mm. uh, thinking of ourselves as a social enterprise uh, mm. and being able to create a, a sustainable model to bring hearing aids, affordable hearing aids uh, to people around the world who currently can't afford them. So that's how Ear Access got started, really with that mission of, wow. of bringing uh, hearing aids uh, to uh, to the world in a sustainable way. So where the nonprofit is really focused on uh, um, particular children and, and sort of the poorest of the poor, our Ear Access as a social enterprise is focused on lower middle income and, and lower income populations um, that can afford something, but they can't afford the high prices of hearing aids today. So we essentially, as a company, we bring three things. We have a line of affordable hearing aids, and we aim to be at least 70% more affordable than what's on the market. Uh, we train people in this space to actually become hearing aid providers, because that's a big gap as well. Um, not enough people to fit hearing aids in the world. For example, in Guatemala, you have one audiologist for the whole country. So it's really important to train people to do this. Um, technician level people, you know, field workers, um, and three, uh, we also work with a lot of cloud-connected, uh, very innovative technologies that help us greatly reduce the cost of provision of hearing aids, but also the hearing care services. Um, and maybe just to give you an example, uh, you know, the average hearing aid worldwide is priced at $2,500. Uh, whether you're in, in Canada, US, or, or in Kenya, those are the kind of prices you're seeing on the market. Um, and yet they cost as little as $50 to manufacture. So. Our goal is really to disrupt that, you know, status quo and bring, um, you know, bring affordable hearing aids that are quality products to to people who currently don't have access. And, and that's really, you know, the core mission of what we do at, at Ear Access. 
Incredible, Audra. And I loved hearing uh, particularly that that one stat about um, the Guatemalan uh, space that, you know, having one service provider, one person to access in the entire country. It's a very compelling, um, you know, statistic to look at the types of supports that are out there um, in in developing countries um, in particular. How have, um, you know, these traditionally very expensive, as you mentioned, um, hearing aids been received in these new emerging markets? Looking at this really much more cost-effective product, um, what has been the response that you've been getting as you've been providing more access? The response has been extremely positive. Um, we have people that never in their lives imagined that they could afford a hearing aid. Um, one example is, you know, recent example is, is a woman from the interior of the Philippines who, who with her family, um, uh, took buses for an eight-hour eight drive to the capital to make sure she could buy a, an access hearing aid. Um, and when she put on that hearing aid for the first time in front of her family members, you know, her face just lit up and her son started to cry and some of her family members were in tears because it was the first time she was communicating um, and she could hear them and they were having a conversation. And so this is not just about, um, you know, a, a kind of a, a, a nice product and a need. It's really about changing people's lives and connecting them to their family. So We've had, you know, very positive responses um, and, and you know, people are telling us we, we didn't know we could get hearing aids at these prices and we just assumed that this wasn't for us because we couldn't afford them. So it really is a, it can, it's really a life-changing medical device. Wow. Incredible, Audra. I mean, I'm, I'm goosebumped. My eyes are welling. I'm, I'm having a moment over here um, hearing these incredible stories. Wow. Um, and, and looking at your previous experience, what has brought you into this space, tell us a little bit about how being a Wall Street investor um, you know, shaped your perception of impact investing or looking at the social impact of your business. How has that sort of impacted the way that you see um, doing well and uh, doing good? Yeah, so I wasn't invest. I wasn't an investor, but I was. Uh, I worked in an investment bank, which meant that we were really working um, with investors, um, with private equity firms, um, and we were structuring deals. So um, that was a, a a wonderful boot camp in really understanding how traditional investors think, um, and how to structure deals, and how to speak investors' language. Um, and that's been extremely helpful um, uh, later in life, and especially when we, you know we're talking, for example, to impact investors um, or, or investors in general. Um, because personally, you know, social impact is really important to me, and it's it's really my raison d'être and why I do what I do and my guiding principle in in, in life. But I also really get the investor point of view. Um, you know, I'm able to put myself in their shoes, mm -hmm. and I you know I agree that even a business that has positive impact on people's lives needs to make good financial returns. Um, and so I think my ability to see kind of both sides um, is something that's been very helpful. Um, and uh, impact investing is, is actually something I only discovered about eight years ago. And I found it um, both wonderful and strange, uh, the fact that investors yeah. could care equally about returns and social impact, um, because I had come from the very mm -hmm. traditional world of, of, of uh, financing um, and, and had made the shift in my career, but actually seeing investors also shifting their mindset around this, um, for me, was pretty amazing. Um, so, so I would say generally, um, I, I think for this field of impact investing to grow, and, and I, I think it should be growing, and it's, it's a great thing, um, it also needs to be financially sustainable. And so I think it's really about balancing those two things. 
Mm, fantastic. And and so talking through, um, obviously, your, your incredible win as the Candy Women Entrepreneur of the Year, um, I think through this conversation and in, in one glance at your bio, I don't think it's, it's hard to understand why. Uh, but what advice would you really give fellow women entrepreneurs and women innovators in particular who are looking to either start or scale a business of any type? What would be the key piece of advice that you would want to offer? I would start with the fact that you know, generally, many people have this belief that to start an innovative business, you need to have like a brilliant earth shattering idea. And that's not the case. In fact, most entrepreneurs start businesses in areas where they simply have seen gaps in the market like we did. Um, they see they, they see those gaps and they try to fill them without a very clear idea about exactly how they're going to do that. You know, we started your access with a rough business plan, but it was really just an idea at that stage. Um uh, and we we started there. We did a lot of trial and error and iterations to finally find our path to market. But the point is that we started in a sector where we already had some experience. We had seen the market gap. Uh, you know, I'd seen over the years where where some of the issues were, um, and 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 just went for it. Um, and in the process, um, uh, some of those uh, some of those uh, relationships that had been built over the years, where I was in in the hearing loss sector. Uh, became very helpful, and um, in particular, in uh, uh, with Ear Access, uh, this, the company simply wouldn't exist without uh, Grand Challenges Canada, which was an early funder of our of our company. So we were very lucky that way. But but luck also comes with uh, many years of networking, that time and effort that went into building those relationships. So that you know, when when we were ready to really launch, uh, those people were willing to support us and to help us grow. So um, I would say I, I would encourage women, you know network, build relationships, um, not necessarily always with a short-term goal, but kind of just, you, you know, the universe has a way that when you when you want something and you put it out there, um, you know, it starts giving back and all these things become very helpful, but you have to, you basically have to do it. And the other question I often get is, you know, how do you find your passion? How do I know what I'm going to you know, really spend my time on? Um, and for people, you know, I always say in general, start working on something, even if it's a side project, try different things, mm-hmm. see what appeals to you, and then and then kind of build on that. Um, but the most important thing is start doing, just start mm-hmm. doing, even if it's small, even if it's a side project, even, you know, at some point, you have to stop thinking and start doing, hopefully, you're thinking at the same time you're doing. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. you, you really just got to go out and do it. And, and, um, the the enemy of innovation is is really inaction, and and personally, I would much rather be criticized for something I did than for something I failed to do. Absolutely, I, I completely agree, and I think it's it's interesting to see the network and the community that's been building, particularly during the pandemic, of the types of supports that you can get, and and people's willingness to really offer advice, and and really that what resonates with me in, in your comment there is it's a long term game. Uh, people, you know, if they're looking for short term support or direct asks that are very self-serving, that doesn't pass the sniff test of, of authenticity. And you're not going to have this network of people who can support you along the way. Um, so that I think is is really important. And I'd say out of all of the Thrive podcasts that we do here at Startup Canada, just starting is probably the biggest piece of advice that is a consistent string in every conversation. 
just begin, just take the leap. Um, and, and I love that, you know, you're going to regret not doing something far more than you're going to regret having done something and potentially failed. Um, so that, that also deeply resonates with me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about Kenna Mask. How did that come about? And perhaps you can explain that to our audience um, and how you balance socially driven initiatives, especially in the medical field during this time of crisis, uh, while still dealing with with the pandemic yourself. Sure. Well, Kenna Mask, the idea originally came uh, to me uh, because of my father, um, who goes to dialysis three times a, a week. Um, and I, I could see he has hearing loss, as I mentioned earlier, and um, I could really see how much he was struggling uh, with the opaque masks to hear his his nurses, his doctors. Um, and so, you know, this is something I noticed uh, over the years, um, but has has become you know worse uh, during this pandemic because many more people are wearing opaque masks. So it's very hard, even with for someone with a hearing aid. Um, people do a lot of lip reading, even when they wear hearing aids, and we can't see lips. It's very hard to understand conversation. And, and here's a conversation happening in a critical healthcare kind of situation. Um, and, and then I also noticed that with my daughter, so I have a 16-month-old daughter, um, and when I, I brought her to daycare for the first time uh, a few months ago, um, you know, she saw when she first saw her, her daycare educator with the transparent, with the, sorry, with the opaque mask, she she started to cry because it was it was kind of scary and intimidating. Um, and um, when you know I created the Canna mask, which is a transparent uh, face mask, so so it's a reusable mask with an anti fog coated clear plastic insert that facilitates lip reading um, and also allows you to see facial expressions. And so I, I gave one of these to to the daycare worker, and um, it made such a difference. Uh, my daughter. Uh, started to smile and giggle. She could see the smiles of her educators. And it, it, it was just, it just made such a big difference, especially in these early uh, speech development years. It's really critical that kids can see their, their teachers' faces and, and, and their lips. So th- that's how the idea came about. Um, and so we launched uh, this new uh, this new product, um, uh, and um, we did a lot of research and development on you know some of the more general traditional complaints we got people give in terms of masks, um, uh, for example, ear loops that when you use them too long they start irritating the back of the ear. So our ear loops, for example, are adjustable. Um, we also address the heat problem um, by using filtration material uh, that's used in in um, in, uh, in medical masks. So um, it's, it's it's sort of light and breathable um, and we don't use a, a typical wire over the nose. We use um, a well-fitted uh, process that allows um, the mask to, to be structured in such a way that you can go under your glasses so they don't fog up. Um, and, and so these are some of the some of the innovations that went into the product. Um, and it's been a it's been a wonderful journey so far because we've gotten you know very positive reactions from teachers, audiologists, um, speech therapists, um, and just people in general that have a member of their family that has hearing loss um, and has really been struggling to hear people. So this is really about having, um, uh, you know, encouraging people to wear uh, these uh, these transparent masks so that uh, everyone can understand each other. It's, this pandemic is hard enough. So um, I think, mm-hmm. you know, facilitating mm-hmm. communication and making sure that those who have hearing loss are not even more isolated because they can't communicate is really important. And that's really why why we launched uh, Canna Mask. Um, and, and we, you know, Canna is for Canada and mask 
the, it's with a Q at the end, uh, because we're here, we're made in Quebec, mm-hmm. and, and we wanted to reflect the fact that we're, you know, a Montreal-based company, so. Oh, I didn't know that. I love that even more now. <laughs> That's a, And where can people get the Canamask? <laughs> they can buy it online uh, at canamask.com, so C-A-N-A-M-A-S-Q.com. Um, and so, yeah, it's very easy. Uh, and, um, and we're, we're now, uh, we're now selling across Canada and, uh, and, and growing uh, and growing quickly. And our goal was to keep also the price really affordable as in line with our social mission as a, as a social enterprise. Um, these are reusable masks, but we really aim to be uh, on, you know, on the lower end of the price point. So they're just $10 um, and uh, they're reusable. Amazing. So you alluded to a few of the the challenges that you have been trying to solve uh, and some of the problems that you're seeing with the community that you serve. But what has been your biggest challenge over the last couple of months during the pandemic? Um, And how are you overcoming those challenges as as we continue into, um, you know, uh, a few next few months of uncertainty? Yeah, our biggest challenge uh, during the pandemic has been uh, the impact on our hearing aid sales uh, internationally, uh, especially when our audiology clinics and and retail stores had to temporarily close due to the pandemic. Um, So we did essentially two things to to respond to this. So number one um, was really important and difficult to do, but very important was to reduce our our general overhead uh, to to a financially bearable size in line with our reduced income. Um, And um, this is generally also advice I would give anyone running a business in these times is that, you know, it's, it's, it's very important to shrink that overhead as fast as you can uh, to match lower revenue. And, and those companies will do much better at, at surviving. Our, our goal is to come out of this a stronger and better company and be able to rehire, um, you know, and, and grow and, and, and beyond the, beyond the pandemic. But that, that was one of the ways um, that, uh, that we've been uh, managing this crisis um, and the second thing is also to launch, you know, the, a new product, uh, create new revenue streams. So Canamask is a good example of that. Our transparent face masks are with a clear window uh, that that are still in line with our mission, which is really our target population is, is you know, working with people who have hearing loss um, and, and keeping this product as affordable as possible. Um, and that's also been very helpful in, in, in growing different, uh, you know, a different stream of revenue. So, um, you know, my general feeling is that in, in times of crisis like the pandemic, this is not the time to start focusing focusing on all the negative things that are happening, you know, in your business mm-hmm. in your life. That that will kill your business. <laughs> What's important is to really to pivot very very quickly, um, and you have to make some hard decisions, and those sometimes are heartbreaking, but you have to make them quickly um, and um, and come up with new sources of revenue and become what what was often referred to as an anti-fragile organization. Um, and by making your firm, you know, having these different revenue streams and, and, you know, in this time of crisis, it really does allow you to to weather the storm and, and come out a stronger company. Mm. Completely agree. That's really fantastic advice, Audra. Thank you for that. Um, and so to wrap up our chat, if you could crystallize another piece of advice to our listeners to take out of this conversation, um, you know, really trying to think of this pandemic as an event and responding to it as such, um, you know, pivoting quickly, making mistakes fast, learning from them and, and evolving. Uh, what would be a final piece of advice that we can leave our listeners with um, that they can take back into their businesses today? Yes, I would just reiterate this, as you mentioned, that this um, what we're living through is is unique. But in the history of the world, there are many unique events. And these these events are actually important moments in history. And 
Um, as I mentioned, you know, they, they come with often a lot of very negative things. But again, there within that, there is a lot of opportunities. And I'll be a little more specific about what I mean for that. For example, in our in our field, the field of healthcare, we are seeing amazing innovations in telemedicine, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, we always saw that us as a company and myself as, as the future. And we've been building towards that for many years now. But this pandemic has just accelerated the rate of adoption of these new technologies in sometimes very traditional sectors that have been you know, more close to change. So that's what I mean by opportunities, not just opportunities to make money as an entrepreneur, but I mean, also opportunities to have a lasting positive impact on people and make the world a better place, especially in a field like healthcare. We're just seeing really interesting, impactful things coming um, and, and up. And we also want to be part of that. So if you have that mindset of as an entrepreneur and you can see these things and you can you can sort of you know build on them and, and build your business around them, you will go far. Fantastic advice, Audra. Thank you so much for joining us on the Thrive Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.